Coming to you from the front lines of America's fight for freedom, it's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. What this world needs is a few more redheads. So people ain't afraid to take a stand. What this world needs is a little more respect for the Lord and the law and the working man. We could use a little peace and satisfaction. Some good people up front to take the lead. A little less talk and a little more action. And a few more rednecks is what we need. A live and unmasked from the capital city of the free state of Florida, giving you your weekly vaccine against the woke ideology disease you can trust our vaccine because it's made up of truth the constitution and a little redneck common sense matt we've got a lot of news on the table to discuss today uh it's been a very very busy week a lot of uh foreign affairs and national security talk this week and of course we've got this overriding uh problem this civil war that's going on in the united states congress right now yeah, it's been the last couple of weeks have been have been pretty crazy just as far as everything that's happening. Um, we've got this vote uh, going on in the in the House Speakership just recently concluded. You know, another another failed vote. Uh, but yeah, there's so much to talk about. Well, I'm a little pumped today because we've got former Congressman Steve Sutherland who's going to be joining us for the second and third segments of the show. And I, I just have so much respect for Steve. Uh, he was a uh, passionate conservative when he was in congress he fought the good fight he unfortunately was defeated before this district was currently um, remade into a more conservative seat a more republican seat but uh served us well and i think he's going to have some great perspective for us today on the jim jordan vote and the crisis that's going on uh, with our republican caucus in dc matt let's just go through a couple of the headlines though uh, to set this conversation up so we've got an ongoing challenge a foreign affairs and a national security challenge in ukraine Uh, we talked about that a bit last week Uh, we understand from all the news reports that we're reading that russia has decided to make this a referendum on american strength internationally a referendum on western culture and western values Uh, he is currently trying to realign the uh, what I would call anti-American powers into some new axis. Uh, he has been uh, getting his arms shipments from North Korea now. He's been getting them from Iran. And he has been making very nice with Z in China. And uh, they've been using threats of nuclear war. Uh, they have been talking about militarizing other uh, countries in opposition to the United States and to her allies. And uh, have even been talking about economic measures that can be taken to weaken us internationally. So it feels very much like the world is going into conflict. So one of the things that we postulated last week was that the action of Hamas against Israel could have been a part of this strategy. It looks like it could have been a part of this strategy. Uh, And we just saw yesterday that uh, a new uh, Iranian-backed terrorist group in Yemen fired three missiles headed for Israel. Those were shot down by an American ship in the Persian Gulf. Uh, but uh, we need to just, I guess, be aware now that this is part of a larger strategy and we've got to be vigilant. 
in uh, the uh, in the Red Sea, I think, right? Not. Yes, it was Red Sea. Thank you, Matt, for that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I mean, essentially, this is this is huge because basically the United States is at conflict now, you know, with our own forces. Um, I'm I'm not wanting to be too melodramatic and say that that we're at war, but we certainly are involved in the conflict, um, not just by supporting an ally, but by actually having to fire munitions. So it's a huge development. Yeah, I think that, so this is all uh, sort of been developing. Uh, I think everyone's become more aware of it. Uh, now there's been this fight in Congress over whether we should continue to fund Ukraine. It appears that the Biden administration is now using the Israeli conflict as an opportunity to tie funding and aid uh, to Israel uh, and the Ukraine together. So um, in the midst of all this, you have this this challenge with the Republican civil war in the Congressional Congress. So uh, last night, Joe Biden goes on the air and essentially has this massive address to the nation where he wants to explain to the American people why we need to continue to fund Ukraine and why we need to tie their funding to Israel. And he, he made an interesting point, Matt. I'm interested in your take on this, because I'm not sure that the American people really buy into his talking point. Um, and by the way, that's regardless of whether you agree that we need funding or not. But his talking point was essentially that we need to fund these conflicts because the enemies of democracy are making war on their democratic nations that are uh, neighboring them. And I and I again I, I think that's a very very bad sales point for members of Congress. I think it's a bad sales point for the American people because uh, I don't know that democracy necessarily is going to move people. I think if he had more focused on an argument that we need to fund those allies who are helping to support American interests internationally or to help uh, strengthen the American allied relationships internationally he would have been in much better ground. But anyway, he's taking this kind of altruistic approach that I think may fall flat. The challenge that we're having is that regardless of whether you agree that we need to fund just Israel, some people may agree we need to just fund Ukraine. Some people think we need to fund both to make sure that we're continuing to project American strength. Republicans can't do anything right now because we don't have a speaker. And I know former Congressman Sutherland wants to comment on this in this process. But as long as we don't have a a uh, speaker and we're stuck in this paralysis, Republicans are losing a huge opportunity every day to reshape American foreign policy and American military doctrine in this crisis. Yeah, and your point about what President Biden said last night in his speech, you know, this emphasis on democracy and neighboring democracies, I mean, there's some value to that, right? But ultimately, Hamas, I mean, if, if Hamas were democratic and had voted according to some procedure to launch the atrocities, that wouldn't be good, right? It's it's the nature of their attack that makes it so illegitimate. And so uh, I wish, like you just said, I wish uh, Biden had emphasized more our strategic relationship, our allies, the special nature that we, or the special relationship that we have with Israel, and the importance of defending them because they are our ally and we work closely together on shared issues. So I agree with you. And, you know, I'm not totally surprised that it was a little bit of a muddled message coming from him. Everything, everything coming from Biden and his administration right now feels muddled. Uh, it, we've had a number of people who have made the, the point that if you were going to fund 
Ukraine, go ahead and fund them to the point and give them the weapons they need to win the war quickly. Uh, they have not done that. They've been sort of uh, allocating the Ukrainian forces on some sort of weird allowance, a military allowance. So they're showing some progress, but then allowing the Russians to kind of come back. It appears that everybody's, I think, settled into this idea that it may just be a war of attrition that may come to some sort of stalemate. But the reality is I just he does not help his um, overall message with the muddling of it all. So we'll be discussing that, but I want to come back to this a Republican paralysis with former Congressman Steve Sutherland in the second segment. Stay tuned. Bringing you right to the front line of liberal insanity. Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> and back again. America in View will be right back. Rescue me. Should I go down? From the front lines of the fight against socialism, it's America in View. Okay, guys, we're back, and we are talking today about the crisis in Congress with the Republican caucus in the middle of a civil war that appears to be unresolved. And one of the challenges for that is that we have many events going on in the world right now, both in Ukraine and Israel, that demand action, demand leadership. We probably are getting more leadership out of President Joe Biden right now than what we've seen his entire first part of his term to date. The challenge is, is that the Republican voice is very difficult to hear on these matters because we can't even get our uh, act squared away enough to be able to elect a new Speaker of the House. And we are in desperate need of that kind of leadership. Now, today on the phone line, we have former Congressman Steve Sutherland, who served for North Florida for four years, right at the cusp of the Tea Party Revolution, moving into uh, the 2014 arena, 2015 uh, he served up until uh, January 3rd of 2015, and uh, that was part of the kind of the great liberal strikes back era, and then since then it's just been on an upward swing for Republicans. But let me just say a couple things about Steve. Number one, he is a conservative's conservative. He is a businessman who's actually signed the front and the back of a paycheck. He is a guy who's gone through economic pain just like the rest of us, and he understands what politics both in Florida and in Washington mean to the everyday common man. And so we're just honored, uh, uh, Congressman Sutherland, to have you back on the phone with us today to talk about this. Tell me real quick, do you think it, it appears, based on my counter that I have right here on my iPad in front of me, that Jim Jordan has now lost his third attempt to become Speaker of the House. Do you see this getting resolved by the time we get to the weekend, or do you think this goes deep into next week? Well, Brett, thank you uh, uh, for the, the very kind introduction. Uh, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be with you and Matt, and um, it, it's I miss talking to you all on a regular basis, so this is a real treat for me. Uh, even though this is a difficult time uh, and a difficult topic, as our team seems to be wailing uh, in the Republican uh, conference. Um, so, again, thank you for the invitation. As for As for your question, um, I just uh, I just spoke with a, a very very dear friend of mine who is still who was on the floor uh, just a few moments ago um, and was a part of that vote um, and he will be headed to the conference meeting that they're about to have uh, to talk about a path forward. Uh, he was of the opinion they will not adjourn; uh, they will stay through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was his 
that was his view. Um, he is, um, I was elected with this individual. He's a, uh, he's a subcommittee chairman. So he's been there for a while. Uh, will that be the direction? We'll find out very shortly. But it's his opinion that if they do not stay and, and work around the clock uh, to fill the speaker um, uh, seat, that, that it does not bode well for us. So he says that we've got to start weighing in on these issues around the country. Um, we, we're under, operating under a CR. Uh, so we've got two weeks left before we're we're going to uh, three weeks left before we've got to deal with the um, uh, with the CR, and then of course what everyone's familiar with is is uh, the, the 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 wars that are going on in both Ukraine and the Gaza Strip. So uh, he says they need to stay; they do not need to adjourn, and I and I agree with him. Yeah. So look, the thing when you watch what happened or what transpired with. Uh, McCarthy's rise to power when he was going through these speaker fights. We saw 14, 15 votes, but it seemed like in every vote he was getting a little bit closer every time. Jordan is going backwards. And uh, now he's vowed, he vowed yesterday that he was going to stay in it. And I think a lot of us, uh, including you, probably have some admiration for Jim Jordan. I think he's been a great additive to the process. But it looks like he just can't get this thing done. Uh, is there a compromise candidate, or do you think it's possible that McCarthy comes back? Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I do think that once you start to slide backwards, uh, I think that is a, a foretell of bad things to come. So <laughs> I think when the when the horse is dead, it's time to dismount. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, that what you're doing is now you're just burning time. And, and unfortunately, time is not on our side. So um, two things, you know, can McCarthy uh, mount, um, you know, in this last round, for example, you know, Kevin got a couple votes, uh, but uh, Steve Scalise got eight. Uh, and so, you know, the question is, can you come back to Scalise? I, I, I don't know. One of the things I'm not sure of is over the last couple of weeks, Steve, uh, uh, excuse me, Kevin has been uh, assisting Jordan. Uh, you saw he just made the nominating speech mm-hmm. uh, on the floor before the vote. So Kevin and all of his apparatus, all of his lieutenants, they have been trying to get Jordan across the line. So the question is, is if someone mentions Kevin as uh, the next option, has the efforts over the last you know, two weeks, uh, weakened his position um, uh, for another chance. I don't know that. I'm not being in the conference. I'm just, uh, that's, that's, that's something I don't know. As far as your point, are there other names? Uh, yes, we've heard uh, Congressman Jack Bergman. Uh, his name has floated around. He is a, a, a former three-star general, uh, beloved by a lot of people. Uh, in the conference, uh, he has vowed that it, should he find his way to the speaker's chair, uh, he would only serve for the remainder of this conference, uh, of this Congress. Excuse me. He, he does not want to be a long-term speaker, uh, but he recognizes the need to bring some stability uh, to the House right now. Uh, you've heard other names, um, Congressman Gallagher, uh, Congressman Hearns from Oklahoma, um, you know, you had um, 
Austin Scott from from um, uh, Georgia mm-hmm. actually uh, ran a couple ballots ago. So yeah, there, there's other names, and that's what they're doing in this Congress and the conference right now. That uh, uh, that they've been in uh, that they'll go into here in about 30 minutes is is try to figure out are there is there another name another individual I've heard Mike Johnson uh, from Louisiana. Um, wonderful man, very capable. But these are all newer names that 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 most of our base has not heard of. Yeah, and and uh, another question about that is: Do you think that there's any possibility? There's been some talk about uh, one of Florida's own, like a Byron Donalds emerging. I don't think Byron has the seniority to be able to mount a successful campaign for speaker. But he certainly has been mentioned. It would be interesting and intriguing to have the first African-American Republican Speaker of the House. Uh, do you think he's got any shot at all, or do you think that's mainly just kind of uh, just talk at this point? Well, I think right now you're going to hear a lot of names. Uh, uh, you know, Byron is clearly proving himself to be um, uh, a fantastic member of Congress. He he is truly a conservative. He's well-spoken. Um he has a lot of attributes that I, I, I see him in many ways being uh, comparable to a good friend of ours, uh, Senator Tim Scott. Um, they, they, they have lived the American dream, and uh, they, are, they, are, they truly have conservative bona fides. I, I think a lot of these compliments uh, are given to newer members that really foretell some of their successes down the road. Uh, but can they? Do they have you know what it takes now to ascend to be you know two heartbeats away from the presidency? Right, right. Um, I, 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 I think I think you know you don't want to put people in a position to fail, and there is institutional knowledge, uh, and I know that sometimes is is frowned upon, but when you've got a and when you've got an institution that's two hundred and forty years. Uh, there's some intricacies on how it works. Yes. There's, it, 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 it's, it's uh, you know, just knowing how the body works and how the rules work. So I think Byron is, is, uh, is clearly on the right path. Uh, we're certainly proud of him. The last thing we want to do is put a, a certainly a, a, a leader now that's going to be a great leader in the future in a position prematurely. Uh, that that hurts them uh, going forward. I, I just, Agreed. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm yeah, Congressman, we're coming up on the break. I want to hold that thought and come back because there's a little redneck common sense that you don't burn down your own house before you have a new one built. I think we got some issues we need to talk about with whether this was the right time. You guys hold tight for the third segment with former Congressman Steve Sutherland. They're 10 pounds of common sense in a five-pound bag. Matt and Brett will be right back. Common sense, cool again. It's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. All right, we're coming back at you live for the third segment of today's show. And, you know, Matt, we were kind of talking after the uh, break there or during the break about some comparisons and parallels between um, Paul Ryan's ascendancy to the throne after John Boehner was taken out versus what Matt Gates has done here with McCarthy and some of the confusion and the chaos. 
And there are there do seem to be some some parallels here. Um, you, you're a student of history, and uh, what have you noticed here? And and maybe Steve can amplify this some too. Yeah, I'd love to get Congressman Sutherland's take on this. So, 2015, um, Boehner, Boehner steps down, and uh, what ensued from there was a few weeks of infighting. McCarthy was in that mix, uh, you know, and eventually the Republicans ended up with Paul Ryan. He seemed to be sort of the reluctant speaker at the time. Uh, then, fast forward, you have McCarthy's controversies on the first round, and now we have what's going on now. Congressman, can you contrast that with the Dems? It seemed like there was never a whole lot of controversy with them. They had Pelosi. He was their leader, and and as the majority slipped back and forth, she was always the one for them. What's going on with the conferences? Why is is there more dissension amongst the Republicans? Well, uh, great question, Matt, and you're you're, kind of getting down uh, into – Kind of the minutia of uh, of how how Democrats and Republicans think, and I learned from my time in in the House. I learned that Democrats are okay with 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 being wrong as long as they win, and Republicans. Would rather would rather lose and to prove that they're right. And so the the challenge is, is is if you're not winning, really nothing's mattering. I mean, it, it, you can't get your agenda done if you're not if you're not winning. And so, you know, my friend that I just talked to a few moments ago says that we if we do not solve this now. We're literally watching our majority slip away. And with a president that has the worst, you know, polling numbers, uh, and so if we can't, if we can't advance our cause uh, right now, we never will. And so I think, I think to your to your question about Paul, a couple things. You know, when Mark Meadows. Um, uh, filed the, the motion to vacate against John Boehner. He submitted it to the com- to committee. So the process took a little longer. Matt filed his motion to vacate directly to the floor. Mm. So it was quick. There was no there was no maturation. There was no lengthier process to, to say, to try to find someone to replace, uh, you know, to replace, Matt has proven that you can beat someone with no one. Right. The Congre- and, and normally you can't, you know, so I think, I think that process is, was important. And another thing you said, Matt, that I think is correct, you know, Paul was, um, was a, a hesitant speaker. He wasn't speaking it. And if you look back through most of the speakers in our lifetime, um, that's usually the case. I mean, Boehner, Boehner did not, you know, it, it found Boehner. It found Denny Haster. Um, it, 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 Kevin was really one of the, the, the newer ones that actually wanted it and pursued it, but it took him 15 rounds. 
Paul did not pursue it, and it found him. So, you know, I, I think that was unique versus, you know, the Democrats, you know, they typically, they know what they're doing. They talk about it in clo- behind closed doors, and they stand in lockstep. And you see this now. They, they're hitting 212 every single vote. And so right now, if the, if the Republicans adjourn and go home and then call a vote on the floor and some of them can't get back, that 212, you, you have no margin. That We literally as a, could, could, real, could, could elect Jeffries to be Speaker of the House. Which would be a disaster. Yeah. I mean, Congressman, I want to unwind that a little bit because, you know, that's the point I was kind of making at the end of segment number two, which is when you decide to take out your leader, you have to have a plan in place. Matt Gates's actions seem to be so arbitrary. It seemed to be so personally vindictive against McCarthy. And look, there's a lot of things about McCarthy that I personally thought maybe he could have done better or didn't like. But here's what I've learned in politics over the years. When you try to take somebody out that's in place, you've got to have a plan for what the replacement is. And you know, I understand that Matt Gates is searching for some headlines. He certainly has gotten them, good and bad. But it seems like right now what he's done is, uh, to point to my analogy before, is he, he burned down his own house before we had another house to live in. And uh, I think that the, the – uh, Chaos now is affecting not just our standing in poll numbers. It's obviously affecting our ability to impact policy. And thirdly, the NRCC, the arm that's going out trying to do battle politically for the elections in 2024, they are at a total standstill with a lot of doubt about what their path is forward. Yeah, and there's and, there, and, and there's another problem. They're going to have to defend more seats because I think this dysfunction – is going to lead to retirement. Mm. I hadn't even so, thought about that. So the, so the NRCC is, is they know the seats that they're going to have to defend because they're in, in, in battleground districts. But what the NRCC doesn't know is how many serious people are going to leave this institution in the next six months because of the growing amount of unserious people that are literally creating a logjam in the institution. And, and so, therefore, you know, you've got Matt, and, and, and listen, I, I, what he just did is, is, is literally, literally ready, shoot, aim. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's literally what you saw. And I think, I think uh, serious people are like, I can't handle this. I can't. I can't make a difference. And I, I came to D.C. wanting to make a difference. And and when Maggie and and seven other Republicans walk across the aisle and stand among the Democrat caucus at their podium and take down the Republican speaker, I, and then accuse the speaker. Of, of joining the Democrats to broker a deal, that's the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and to your point, has positioned potentially the Democrats to either cross the aisle and or to just hold tight until Republicans 
adjourn to uh, put themselves in a position where they can try to steal this speakership, which would, again, I mean, I, I just pray that doesn't happen with the Republicans, but that definitely has put us in a position to see something fatal like that occur. Well, and, 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 and nothing is more fatal than us whistling past the graveyard while the Gaza Strip is, is burning and innocent people are dying, as well as in Ukraine. And so, therefore, you know, the, 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 the protector of freedom, okay, it, it, the United States, and I can argue, you know, the body that is the, the heart of that, which is the Republican conference, is not, is not a part, is not in the game right now. Yeah. Yeah, so Congressman, here's what I've noticed. You've got these candidates. You've got a few compromised candidates out there. We're talking about candidates for Speaker of the House. I hear a lot of the personality, and I hear a lot of the record. We're kind of coming up in on the next segment. I'm going to hold you over to the fourth segment, if you don't mind. I'm going to take advantage of you here, because one of the things I want to talk about in the fourth segment is how little I hear about an agenda for America, almost like Newt Gingrich did, a contract with America. I haven't heard any of the candidates saying Guys and gals, we've got to move forward with an agenda to cut taxes, to rebuild our military, to uh, secure the border, to deal with some of the crises that are facing the country internationally. I hear none of that. So, again, let's hold tight through the break. We're with former Congressman Steve Sutherland talking about the Republican Civil War in Congress. You guys hold tight for the fourth segment. Don't go anywhere. America in View will be right back. Front lines fighting the insanity of the woke. It's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. Coming into the fourth segment for our first live show from the capital city, the free state of Florida, we've got former Congressman Steve Sutherland on the line. We've been having a discussion about this Republican caucus civil war, the impact it's having both politically and in policy. Congressman, picking up where we ended the last segment, I've been a little frustrated. Maybe other Americans have been frustrated. You know, they see, and, and I see, we all see from outside the process. We see the luxury plane trips. We see the fundraisers. We elect people. They go to D.C. Sometimes they keep their word. Sometimes they don't. Thankfully, you kept your word. You were a passionate conservative warrior. But even then, being part of that process, there's a certain amount of what I would call procedure and the pomp and circumstance of politics you have to put up with to achieve your goals. Now, you have a lot of this back and forth in the Republican caucus over some of these frustrations. And I think that Matt Gates' move to, pull, to, uh, to take out Kevin McCarthy was what I would call representative of a venting of the American spleen against Congress. But that's all he did, and now we're stuck here with these shambles, with this dumpster fire that we're dealing with in Congress. So my question is this. Why haven't we seen a candidate, whether it be McCarthy, whether it be Scalise, and I've got a lot of admiration for him. I know you do as well. I've got a lot of admiration for the things that Jim Jordan has done. But why haven't one of them and or any other potential substitute candidate said, look, guys, Newt Gingrich-style contract with America, here's the five or six things we must get accomplished in this Congress going into 2024. Make me speaker. I'll get it done. Uh, why haven't we seen that kind of what I would call uh, 
uh, policy or agenda-oriented campaign within the caucus? That's a great question, uh, and I, and I think I think that's what our base is is screaming for. Um, you know, if you look at if you look at the challenges we face as a country, be it our debt, our education, our our, our woke military. Um, you know, the southern border, these international crises that we, we, we all see every day, inflation in our economy, you know, putting together a, a contract with America, you know, 2.0, really, I mean, we could probably do that over lunch. Yes. Um, and, and, and then we just have to stick with it, and we have to, to, to make it public, and then we have to grade it and, uh, as we get into the Congress. I will say this, you know, there's been some good things done in this Congress that I don't think people, you know, really recognize. I know that that we, I believe that the Republicans won the, the, the debt ceiling battle. Um, Kevin outflanked the president, um, and that was a big deal. However, however, it, 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 a lot of these, there was nothing to, nothing to, to measure that against. And I, and I think that without having a contract that you come back to every day and say, how are we doing based on what we promised? I think that's a, that, that's a missed opportunity. And, and the base, the Republicans in this country need to know that we're moving the ball. Right. And, and, some, and, and, and they don't know. They don't know oftentimes. Congressman, I know that you I know that you felt this pressure when you were in Congress. Look, people elected you again, you were part of the Tea Party Revolution. Remember you took out Alan Boyd at a time when, you know, he was still trying to sell himself as a Dixiecrat and that was a ridiculous, you know, message on his part. But as Obamacare was swirling and there was all of this angst in the country about a new wave of federal tyranny, you know, people reacted. And you were part of that great reaction in America. But I know <laughs> you and I talked about it. As soon as you get there, it's like within two two years, people start calling you part of the establishment, and then they start saying, "Well, yeah. you know, why isn't he getting this done, or why isn't he getting that done?" There is a process. How, how did you overcome that? I mean, do you have any words of wisdom for the Republican Caucus about messaging what they are actually achieving? Yeah, and that is that is a responsibility, you know, of 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 your conference chair. Uh, they're they're the the messenger, and and oftentimes uh, it's hard to get through all the flack of the uh, of, of the mainstream media. To be perfectly blunt, uh, if you look at you know the majors, the ABC, the NBC, the CNN, you know they are the the non paid messaging arm uh, of the Democrat Party. Uh, we we. Uh, Republicans have to pay for <laughs> we have to pay for uh, what we get, uh, with the exception of radio and perhaps Fox. Uh, Newsmax has come on, obviously. Right. But still, you know, we we have there's an army of reporters on the Hill each and every day that that out that outnumber uh, conservative uh, outlet reporters, and so therefore getting the message through is is a, is very much a challenge, especially if you don't have a contract with America. You know, like you referenced. Um, so it's really up to each office to try to message with their district, and that's challenging at times. So I found that very, very difficult part of being in Congress. 
Well, Congressman, this has been uh, very enlightening. We are going to have you back. I mean, this has been too good, as I really appreciate you being along. Just in a, in a single word, because I'm, I'm coming up against a, a drop-dead uh, moment here where I'm going to lose you, just give me the, just give me the percentage. What, what chance do you think Jordan has of closing the deal this weekend? And again, I'm not asking you to support anybody one way or the other, but just analysis-wise, you think he makes it? What's the percentage? On Jordan? Right. Weekend? Right. I, I think it's zero. <laughs> Congressman, you have been awesome. You're always a straight talker. I appreciate you saying it. I think I agree. We're going to have to start looking for new leadership. Uh, that was Congressman Steve Sutherland joining us today on this uh, segment of the program. And uh, again, I think we have got to get him back in the rotation again. We may even ask the former congressman to be a guest host at some point. I'd uh, love to always hear his perspective. Um, well, Matt, we've got a, a, just a couple minutes here to wrap up before we get into the break uh, at the top of the hour. I think what the congressman was saying in his analysis was uh, excellent, was significant. Um, you know, what's your, what's your sense, Matt? I mean, do you sense at this point, uh, given the history with Ryan and with Boehner, that Jordan has any chance whatsoever? Or do you think it's kind of like what the congressman said? you think there's no chance? Yeah, I wish I was more of an expert on on how the these speaker votes go. I mean, certainly in our in our recent history, they've been difficult for Republicans to resolve. Uh, and I think there's been a, a situation where you've got minor but vocal factions, you know, of what 15, 20 voters that are that are basically blocking um, one or the other being able to get there. So I wouldn't be surprised if you do see one of the more reluctant members. Uh, some of the names that Congressman Sutherland mentioned end up coming to the to the top of the heap and i guess it may just take time to do that one of the things that he pointed out is you know this is the number three position in the line to the presidency it's not trivial i mean this is this is a situation where you want good strong republican leadership in place yeah by the way with the president who uh, seems to be just a few steps away from uh expiration anyway um you know, just a couple of comments and thoughts as we get into the end of the show of today's show. I, I've been a part of many political organizations over the years. I certainly have coached up and been a consultant for legislators, congressmen, senators, and uh, governors. And and uh, as you watch people's reactions inside of organizations, you can always find reasons to be frustrated with the leadership. Again, I think that America was frustrated with the inaction of Republicans, and they wanted to see what I would call more political violence toward the administration. With that being said, you have to have a plan in place, and I really think our caucus at this point needs to see a plan identified by the Republicans to uh, strengthen America's economy, to strengthen our military worldwide, and to keep us in a position of being the strongest nation on earth because, as Ronald Reagan said, we are the last hope for mankind on this side of heaven. Thank you all. It's been a great show today. We look forward to seeing you next Friday. Thanks for listening to America in View. For more information, go to AmericaInView.com.